up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace. My name is Tyler Short. And for the first time ever in the history of us doing this podcast, we are in the same room in person. Yeah, for the third time ever, we're just in person. That's right. <laughs> Only third time ever in person, but first time we are lovingly gazing into one another's eyes yes. as we record the podcast. Yes, next to the mat that I've been sleeping on. That's right. <laughs> so, welcome. Well, you've been here for a few days now. Yeah. But Tyler, what are, what are you doing here in New York? Uh, inclination at a couple shows up here, and... Uh, I had a vacation left over from last year that I needed to use, and no more productive way to use it than hanging out with you, I guess. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing funny about that at all. I think that is absolutely true. No, this is, I needed this. I needed, I needed to be al- alone and wandering a city for a day. That was. That's awesome. It was, it really, it made me, made me uh, connect in ways that I feel like I haven't done recently in my isolated job and home life at times i appreciate that yeah and it's been awesome to have you here man holy Um, shit there's a lot of people in the city though there are that's probably the worst part of it um is the people and also the best part of it and also the worst part of it um but it's been a fucking blast to have you here man and i think what it it's always like the best when you can combine shows with also some extra hang time because yes. I know the I mean back when I used to tour or play out a lot I'll have conversations with people you know and it'll be like have you been to such and such place and I'll be like yeah I've been there and they'll be like oh did you go to whatever and I was no. like no I <laughs> loaded in we did this we ate Taco Bell and then we got on the road you know, it would be that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It was like, it was fun. Great show. Yeah. But so technically, yes, I've been to this city, but I haven't actually been to this city, you know? So. Yeah, no. And that's, uh, that is, that is tour. That is, mm-hmm. that is one off shows. That is what it is on the, on the phone with Ashton last night. I was in your stairwell talking about my day yesterday and thinking about it within the context of if I had gone and flown home with the rest of my band, yeah, all I would have done was fly in, eat pizza, play a show that was eh mm-hmm. for me. Yes. For our band. Yes. For me personally, as a person attending a show and having a great time, right? I had a better time than I think the rest of my band did. That's because of Mind Force. Of course. But then... After the show, we went and ate at that same pizza place again. Can I ask you something and interrupt really quick? Yeah. How did you all, like, how did Rosa's become your spot? I think it's a Long Island thing. Okay. That has, like, ported over uh-huh. into Brooklyn. And, because we it, got it the first time we played Long Island. I see. And we liked it. No, it's, it's a, don't get me wrong. And it's Colin a, loves it. Yeah, it's a great spot. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't met anybody before that was like, we're this going is, to Rose's. This is Ro- like unless yeah. Rose's was the a closer yeah. thing, you know, because um, that's we are blessed with having a lot of great pizza here. Yeah, so. and I and I I like it. 
Yeah. But it's great. it maybe should have been the pre-show choice, like or the post-show choice, because it's open. Yeah. And we should have eaten anything else before. Right. Because I don't like eating the same thing when I'm traveling. Yeah. I like to eat something different every day if I can. And then the next day, we just went to Long Island from from Brooklyn. Yeah. Or, or from Queens. From Queens. Queens, Brooklyn, wherever the hell we Which stayed. I don't know. Technically really. on the same island. Yeah. You just crossed county lines. We go to Long Island. We eat uh, a fast food spot that had no indoor seating in February. That's right. <laughs> um, so I ate my burger and fries in the back seat. Honestly, it was great. Yeah. If we're if we're putting enough against things like In and Out, even. And I love it. I love In and Out. Yeah. Respect. So uh, it was good. American Burger and is you, where we went in Massapequa, New York. Yes. And you don't have a Bible verse on the bottom of your cup like you no. do it in and out. I don't mind that. Um, I don't either, but <laughs> if, if anybody does, you know. I do I do love, though, the um, – I, I, you know the meme, the um, – and I think it got it got ported onto, uh, onto Kyle Rittenhouse whenever – that is that picture of him where he looks like a, uh, a mid-weight lesbian – um, but I feel like there's several pictures of him that look like that, but true. But there's that picture of that, um, that like very like butch woman. And it says like, and then she's in her like McDonald's manager and it says, you know, she ran that MF, that McDonald's like the Navy. Yes. Um, yes. I think we should start saying they're running that Navy like a Chick-fil-A or they're running, <laughs> they're running the Marines like an in and out. Like, I think we need to just Dude. reverse the order of that. Meme. I'm with, as a, Former Chick-fil-A employee, I'm with it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, American Burger was cool. We went to Ruby Soho's. Shout uh, out. In Lindenhurst. I'll do the Long Island geography mm -hmm. for everybody. Ruby Soho's in Lindenhurst. Own, 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 uh, proprietor, Chris Chris Mills of King yes. Nine. And uh, I Am the Avalanche and Backtrack. Uh, didn't see him, but uh, I did watch. I, I stood for the national anthem. Uh, for, for the Islanders Rangers, Rangers game that was that was <laughs> happening, and then there was a fight and a in a score in like the first five minutes. Yeah, so I'm, that I, was you, man. That I told you, you. I, I told you, I'm standing for every national anthem for the rest of my life if, the, if, yeah. it, if it results in a entertaining sports like that. And future. I'll say this just as a um, you know as a casual Islanders fan, that was the most Islanders game there's ever been. Um, given that there was, they were up four to one at one point and ended up losing six to five in overtime. That's insane because yeah. that also means that I saw the only Rangers goal yeah. like, before the end. That Rangers came out hot <laughs> and then the Islanders were like, fuck this and looked like it was going to be a laugher for mm -hmm. a minute. I mean, you know, I was, I was not watching the game, but I watched the highlights because I hate myself. Um, and yeah, there's nothing like uh, doing the shit the Islanders usually do, but doing it in front of 80,000 people in a football stadium um, on national television. Usually we get to keep that regionally to ourselves <laughs> here in, in Brooklyn and Long Island. Um, most people here are Rangers fans. and Everyone there was. Yeah. The, the, the reason I'm not is because their logo is a literal police badge. Um, yeah, and when I say that, I say like their their founder or the the owner that started the team mm -hmm. was from Texas, 
and had been living in New York. And part of his idea with the Rangers is he's like, I want to make New York more patriotic. So he named them after, like, you know, the Texas Rangers, made their colors red, white, and blue, and made their logo a cop badge. Um, so, yeah, the Rangers are for cops, and the Islanders are for losers, and I would rather be a loser than a cop. So Yeah. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I feel you on that, but aesthetically, I do like the Rangers jersey. I don't you know me. I, mean, I say this as I'm wearing a blue and orange hat. Yes, it's bright. It's bright, but I love I love the orange and blue. Yeah. So that was part of the attraction for me. And I've always since I came to New York, as you can probably tell, you want to root for the losing. Teams. I just pick whoever's the underdog. Yes. So it's the Mets mm-hmm. and the Islanders instead of the Yankees and the Rangers, for me. I would say between the Yankees and the Rangers, fuck the Yankees more though. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the Rangers are not like the Yankees, <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting too because like at in Lindenhurst at Ruby Soho, you're in deep Long Island. Oh yeah, but there are more Rangers fans mm-hmm. there, and that's like that's just true generally. I mean, there pro- it's probably ten to one in the, the New York metro area. The I will say though, the Rangers squared up and fist fought the Islanders and didn't just mag dump into their entire bench when they were afraid of getting hurt for one second so yeah well and that way they are different from cops that's true that is true shout out for that i just think matt martin from the islanders took on the biggest dude on the rangers yeah and like said after the game he was like we came out flat we gave up a goal real quick and i did it I, i did it just to like shift the momentum Uh and in perfect islanders fashion it worked for (laughs) a little while if the games were only two periods long the islanders would be golden (laughs) but they have to keep playing for that third period and that's usually when they fuck it up so um this is the most we've ever talked about hockey but yeah i I, this is this is the most hockey i've watched in a in like a year so shut uh, up yeah other than watching shorzy in two days um which gotta say, dude, it's a yeah? great show. Yeah. Great show. Awesome. I also, I, I, the first time I saw, I forget that actor's name. Um, um, fuck, I'm forgetting it too. The first time I saw an interview with him, I couldn't get over. It. He doesn't. Jared talk Kiso. Like, yeah, Jared Kiso. Yep. He doesn't talk anything like that. He actually has a pretty deep yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. You know, because his he has a very high pitched yeah. chirp on the show. Hey, bud. <laughs> like. That, which makes the shit talk so much funnier. Yeah, no. Because it's in that accent. The yeah. first thing anybody probably ever saw him in is the Godzilla, first Godzilla movie. I didn't see it. With Brian Cranston. Ah. Uh. He is the, um, he's the uh, Halo jump uh, marine who's like laying out the plan for them doing the jump into San Francisco at the end. And I didn't realize that until we're watching Letterkenny. And I'm like, have I ever seen this guy in anything before? Yeah. And I looked it up. And then I looked up on YouTube, like Jared Kiso, Godzilla. And I watched the scene and I went, there he is. He's right there. That's a great Speaking actor. Speaking like an American. Yeah. That's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Shout out Letterkenny. Shout out Shorzy. Straight great shows that have taught me a lot about Canadian culture. A lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. And a lot of it, I come to find out, is completely true. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It's pretty pretty cool. We did uh, Constraint did a run with uh, a band Flashback uh-huh. from Regina. Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yes. Played there. Uh-huh. Flew on the plane to here, New York, next to a guy from 
Regina, Saskatchewan. Oh, shit. Yeah, pretty cool. Shut up. Uh, didn't ask him about Letterkenny, though. But yeah. when I met those guys, their guitar player tells me his name, Riley. Riley. Speaks exactly like Riley. Fuck yeah. I cried. That's so laughing. good. It was awesome. I love that. Yeah, very good. Hell yeah. Well, other than hockey and um, we got to talk so, about so we got the massapequa we, show we got derailed so so after we left ruby soho's right. we finally went to the massapequa vfw hall yes which is my favorite venue in the, in the, in the country now it rules the show i i say this just as a dude at the show one of the best hardcore shows i've been to in a long fucking time it's top five inclination show hell yeah like you and i'm taking into account sound and fury this is hardcore um, even LDB Fest that we played, like, like if we're gonna count those, not like in with just regular straight up shows we played, right? That was top five, dude. That's awesome. I was being a madman. Yeah, um, you were, and so were a lot of the kids there, oh, yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah, and then the mirrors got broken. I can't believe them got that. broken. They yeah. got nice and fogged up, but not broken. Mm-hmm. And some pretty lewd stuff written on some of them, but. Uh, <laughs> But well, it, in finger, in fi- yeah. So it's gonna go away. Yeah. And uh, it's a VFW. More lewd things have definitely been said. Oh yeah. The- I mean, people were smoking cigarettes in the bar, and that's yeah. the most lewd thing you can do indoors. Period. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, it was a, a different world when you crossed over to the bar side. Uh, I never did. I didn't either, but I got close enough it. to smell it, mm-hmm. and was like, "Oh, that is. That's where the regulars hang out." Yes. Yeah. The aura. Yeah. Yeah, it was good though. Um, all the locals were awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, it was fun. I haven't moshed to every single band at a show in a while, so felt good. Felt good. And dude, you got a one shout out, John Scanlon. Oh yeah, who's just been he facilitated the whole weekend for us. Yeah. So I just not only was he taking care of Mind Force and their misfortunes and fortunes. Yes. <laughs> in those shows, he set up. A brilliant. I, I walked over to him during Private Mind, and I just said, "Thank you for this." Yeah, man. And speaking <laughs> up, he was quoted on NPR today because, and the the New York City yeah. NPR affiliate because they did a story about Vitus. Uh huh. Um, you know, and it was basically like beloved local mm-hmm. metal venue gets shut down mid show, and they like mentioned like New York hardcore band Mind Force, and like you know sold out show, and they got quotes from several people and Scanlon was one of them. Um, so yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Damn. Wow. That's crazy. You can I, check it out or read the article at a uh, Gothamist.com. It's, it's very awesome that I, uh, I got to be, um, next to a part of New York history. <laughs> St. Vite is getting shut down. Yeah. Not yeah. a part of it. Yeah. Right next to it. <laughs> right next to it. Yeah. I mean, and I know, I mean, the dudes in Mind Force were obviously very bummed. And I think it's just, again, like, it, hopefully all that stuff is able to get resolved. We are in a position now in the city where there are several spots that are doing good shows. But there was a, a run, especially in, like, the early 2010s, mm-hmm. where Vitus was all we had. Um, oh no! I feel a it. lot of the, like the DIY spots that were popping had all gotten shut down. Um, everywhere else would only do twenty one and up, you know. Like and Vitus, whether it was hardcore, punk, metal, whatever, 
big, big shows, smaller shows was the spot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I feel it because we've had that. We, no, nothing as storied or long lasting, but Louisville has been down to one. Yeah. So many times to the point where we, we all like think like if this fucking goes away. Right. What are we going to do? I know. Isn't it crazy? Like, like I mean, especially in the winter, because even in the summer you can do gorilla shows, but right. I mean, in and the that's, you can't. Like, we, all of us who, who, who play and enjoy this type of music have had our share of run-ins with, you know, bar owners, venue owners, whoever that like didn't quite get it mm-hmm. and, you know, shit happened. But we pay too much attention to that. And I think so many times the unsung, you know, folks who even, you know, for instance, like the people who run bars that know to make rent, they're going to have to rely on alcohol sales, but also don't hesitate to book straight edge shows. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, shout out. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Vitus has been one of those spots for us. To know that like occasionally I'm going to have to, I'm going to book a show that like a bunch of kids are going to come and not drink. Yeah. But that scene lives in the same scene that also sells our bar out sometimes. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's all it's all connected. It all lives in the same in the same world. And I go to all those shows. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm just I, I'm counting up when I was when I was thinking about it, it was the other night. The range of stuff that I one I mean, I don't play that much. I've played Vita several times mm-hmm. in different bands. Always been awesome. Um, I've seen Obituary there. I've seen earth crisis there you know what i mean i've like so many of the the shows from the past decade plus since they've been around um that are some of my most memorable are are shows that happen there so um it just it it sucks um but the, the the folks who run that place um you know i think they're the good news is as much as the city and certain dickheads who are conspiring to shut down a good thing as much as they're doing they've also got a lot of people in their corner including mm-hmm. people who know how to navigate these npr's running a story on it dude that's not great pr for yeah people trying to tear down a good thing and and it was interesting too because it's you know it's wnyc the new york like npr mm-hmm. affiliate and then gothamist.com which is their website mm-hmm. um, which does shout out to them great nonprofit journalism in New York. Um, <clears throat> but like even in the comments section, which is usually the dumbest, most toxic place yeah. of anything. And I usually try to avoid reading, but there was, it was a combination of people, even a lot of like, you know, casuals who had at least seen something mm-hmm. at St. Vitus and had been like, dude, that sucks. But also people putting two and two together and being like, this place has been there for 11 years doing the same shit that they've been doing right now Mm -hmm. and now it's only become an issue because 11 years ago people were scared to go to the ass end of manhattan avenue Mm -hmm. in greenpoint and now there's luxury apartments down there that's it yeah so you know it's it's people very quickly kind of saw the writing on the wall of like why is something that's never literally been an issue and something that has if, if what you care about like the other thing is, I have to 
I have to give credit to Tyler because um, even though it might not have been the best show in the world at the Queens show on Saturday night, you opened the set by saying, Eric Adams lives in New Jersey, <laughs> which one is true. And two, this man literally said not a few months ago, because he was talking about part of the economic recovery from COVID is going to be getting nightlife in New York back on track. Yeah. And so said, I'm going to do everything I can to support bars, venues, small businesses. They employ so many people. They're such a big generator of the New York City economy, which is all true. And also said, we're not going to do raids anymore. We're going to work with people who have like permit issues. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? A a raid in the middle of a sold out show. So, yeah, I mean, if there's there's. 10 million things that Eric Adams has done that are far worse yeah. uh, than that, but that's just adding to his list of bullshit yeah. and hypocrisy. Cop's going to cop, dude. He, and he is the copiest cop <laughs> <laughs> around. Did you see, um, did you see the, the, the spoof of him on uh, SNL? No. Uh, I, I need to look up the actor's name. It's one of the newer cast members mm-hmm. did him. Fantastic. But he, awesome. he was giving a speech, and he kept doing – a reporter would ask him a question, and every time he answered it, he'd be like, well, I've been a police officer for 25 years. And then the next time would be like, I was a police officer for 76 years. And let me tell you something, like every time he would open it with like a different like. <laughs> it was, it was just like ass. so spot on. That rocks. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so cool. Um, but yeah, so and then, so yeah, shout out Massapequa. Show was fucking dope. I drop kicked someone out of my shoes. You did, <laughs> and I think he enjoyed it. It was um, pretty funny. Yeah, it was a, it was like a, a beautiful moment. Um, and since that, you've just been you've been hanging out. I've been we, chilling. We've been hanging out. So I had a I had my uh, my Kevin McAllister Home Alone two Lost in New York day yesterday, which was fun. It was awesome. Yeah, it's very yeah, cool. Dude, Tyler rode the subway all by himself. Didn't get lost twice. Twice. Yeah. Shout out. Um, and you've been hanging out with my son. Yes. So you verified that it's, he's real. I have to re-meet him every day, it seems. He yeah. Forgets that's, the, he forgets I was here. He, yeah, he comes out surprised every morning. <laughs> um, that's the age he's at right now. There's a little bit. Of, he, he lives in the moment. Yeah. That's what I'll say. I mean, yeah. who am I to judge? That's what I, I was telling Tyler this, too. Like, there's so much clearly that you've seen about raising a toddler or not i mean raising a human but at this age Mm -hmm. that can drive you nuts i think russian and i do a pretty good job at laughing at a lot of the absurdity oh yeah especially the never-ending potty training related sagas um but the the thing that i love and that i'm trying to like learn from is like they don't hold a grudge (laughs) we'll have a fight (laughs) and Uh then five minutes later it's like it's time to play Yo, again. man, that, that's that's in the past. Yeah, this is this is what we're doing right now. Um, so, I, I gotta, I could, I could learn a lesson from my two-year-old. Yeah, everybody part. could, honestly. Yeah, man. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, it's been great having you here, man. And man, I've spent way too much money, but uh, that's, it, that's probably because I'm staying with you and not having to spend any money on lodging. I can afford to. Yeah. Drop hundreds of dollars on records. See, for, it's a. This is a key part of New York City's economic recovery um, post-COVID. Me? You. 
yeah. you. So thank you for your patronage um, of, of some of our finest record stores. They're pretty um, good. We got some great ones. Yeah, I'd be in trouble if we had these things back home, man. We're, we're spoiled in a lot of ways. We pay a premium for it, but it's, uh, it, it's never I, – I remind myself I got into a, a time period my, like, second or third year here. Because, like, when I first moved here, I was going to four shows a week. Mm-hmm. Easy. And all kinds of, you know, like, yep. everything. And then, you know, you get into the grind of, like, I was teaching, I was in grad school, mm-hmm. I was legitimately busy, and I would find myself in a period where there'd be stuff, and I'd be like, oh, man, I'm tired. Um, and would have to, like, remind myself of, like, dude, this is something, like, you can take a 30-minute subway ride to see a band that you would have previously driven six hours oh, yeah. to see. So get off your ass and appreciate Mm-hmm. you know what you've got here um you can you can sleep later like enjoy it and so um yeah it's uh it's definitely not something to take for granted especially as i come up on nearly fucking 20 years living here so yeah no i uh i i have a weird I have a weird like distaste for big cities hmm. in general like um i really hated chicago for a while I would never have guessed that. I really didn't think I would ever like New York City, really. I only have times I've ever really been here has been in the summer, and it's just been, like, for a day. Right. And you can't park anywhere. You can't, like, it just seems it just seems suffocating. Regular stuff, things that are just normal shit in other places is a pain in the ass here. Yes. And L.A. is just traffic. Yes. All the fucking time. No matter where you're going. I'm spoiled in Louisville. You can get anywhere in 25 minutes. It just works. Louisville is a good-sized city. Like Louisville it, rocks, it's, man. It's big enough to have the stuff, the culture, yes. but small enough that you can, you know, park your car. And there's, <laughs> and there's, and I like the fact that there's not something going on all the time. Yeah. Because that means that when something's happening, I can make it. Yeah. I can make it happen. I, I had this theory about Chicago. Um, for a while that when I hated it, it was before when inclination went up and recorded our LP, I changed my mind. Okay. Uh, cause me and Isaac lived there. Mm-hmm. We became local. Right. Um, I've become local here. I know how to walk right out into the subway. Yeah. I got on the wrong train this morning, but it's because the B wasn't running yesterday. And I didn't know that was a thing. Yesterday was a holiday and today is not. And the B I, is a weekday only train. And I learned something today. There you go. But so when um, when I used to hate Chicago before I became local, um, my theory on it is there's so much to do. Nobody does anything. Yeah. And I felt like that was probably similar to situation to, to here. So much to do. People just people don't do anything. And you also couple that with the fact that like rent is too damn high. Yeah. And the jobs you got to do to afford to live in these places people who are professional enough to afford these places aren't reckless enough to try to break their necks at shows usually yes therefore the people who are reckless enough to break their collarbone snap their wrist dislocate their elbow at shows 
have to work three jobs and now they can't go to the show yeah because they're doing everything they can to just afford to live here i mean that's there's a lot of truth to that so i think that's my distaste for these things which if you really get to the root of it then my problem with big cities my problem i have the world in general. It's capitalism <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I ain't mad at it no more. Yeah. I, I, no, I feel no that. More. But like everything you just described is, is like the perfect way to encapsulate the difference in vibe between your Queen's show and your Long Island show. Long Island show had no regard for this, their, their, right. their, their safety. Yeah. And because they most of those people lived in a place that's either a lot more affordable because it's well outside of New York City or their parents or their parents <laughs> right i was going to say a good number who lived with their parents and god bless them um so yeah i, I mean i think that's definitely true and like uh, yeah we Rachel and i like like anybody else especially who's like raising a family in New York but who's not like super wealthy knows that we're making a choice like we could we could make things a lot easier on ourselves mm-hmm. somewhere else um, but like I I love raising a kid here um, I'm like it, it's been at least up to this point like I feel like it's all been worth it but I do hear you because it's not just the time to like go and do things it gets to the point too where it's just like, yeah, I don't have as much disposable income because so much of it goes to basic living expenses. Um, up just you know a much higher percentage of your income than it should be mm-hmm. to have you know enough money to actually like do the shit you want to do. Oh, and I mean, is, <laughs> and, and it's coming for Louisville too. Like I say all this, yeah. but like the desirable places to live in Louisville are completely pricing the people in my social circle out. Yeah. So they're having to take, they're, they're having to drive further Yeah. or they're having to just, you know, make compromises they wouldn't have made otherwise. You got to take a second job or you got to move way Mm -hmm. further outside of town or yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and it gets down to like when like part of the, one of the reasons why I, I think back sometimes on like, my decisions of where to live and how much my rent used to be mm-hmm. and how I used to be able to live on 24 to 32 hours of work a week. And God damn it. That's how it should be for everybody. But wow. that was so cool. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was running it. <laughs> I was running it low pretty often. A $500 emergency would have ruined my life, but yeah, I was, I was living. You're I was living, hanging man. out with my friends. I was playing video games. I was, yeah. I was, I was watching movies with with large groups of people, and I was out just running the streets. You were hanging out. Like, I was being the DD. You were being the DD, man. I was doing all these things that I had time for. Yes. And then I started working six days a week, and then you know what? I see my girlfriend. That's it. Yeah, but it rules that if nothing else music keeps you out of just mm-hmm. that just oh, yeah. routine. Yeah, Knowing no. that there's going to be some weeks mm-hmm. that that's all it is, is work and home. Yeah, I mean. But this keeps, uh, you know. That's why we're doing this right now. Exactly. I needed something else to break up the monotony, man. Yeah, man. This podcast was, was a, a necessary thing I needed to connect and 
having somebody, the only person I think I knew who I could really connect with like this. Yeah. Our, our, our very niche tastes. Yeah, yeah. It was worth taking the, taking the shot. But I, uh, but yeah, no, I mean doing here, like what, what I've been doing here the past couple of days, I, I like New York. Good. I'm glad you do. I, I don't hate it. I'm I thought I would. I don't. You don't. If, if nothing else, it's like you got a lot of good friends here. And like you said, I, I, I respect a lot of people who are able to, to say things like, I don't think I'd ever want to live there, but I, I dig this place mm-hmm. a lot. I definitely know? want to come at least once a year and yeah. do this. Yeah, absolutely. Like at least once a year I want to come and, and, and do this. And well, you are more than welcome anytime here, my friend. Um, like, you know, as you can tell, it's not the most luxurious lodging, but it's free. It, so that's all that matters. Yeah. That's, that's all that fucking matters. And, um, as Kieran gets older, there might be less poop that's not in the toilet, um, is what I'm hoping for. Um, it's not bothering me. Well, good. Thankfully, <laughs> I'm me and Rutschner are the ones who actually handle it. If you ever are a guest in my home, I don't expect you to handle the poop. But there's going to be some poop around. You might have to watch. You might have to watch. Because, um, uh, yeah, that's that's toddler life. and um, Shit happens, if you will. If you don't like it, don't have a kid. I'm not making you have a kid. But but the government's trying to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're doing And I'm, I mean, I'm just doing my part to abolish the white race um, by making sure my bloodline is mixed. From yeah, the great on. replacement. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Your part in the great replacement. I mean... How do you think I afford daycare tuition? My Soros checks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, which he's late this month. I need to send an email. But it is very much appropriate. We did not plan it this way timing-wise, but it is wild that the album that we are talking about today. It's because The Wire took so long. It's because The Wire took so long, <laughs> but, but at least, I mean, maybe you were thinking about it. I know I wasn't, that it was like, well, hey, if we get to this point in February, the next Steve Earle album we'll be talking about is Washington Square Serenade. What would it be like to talk about that while we're both actually in New York? Here we are. Yeah. I mean, I realized it three weeks ago. I was like, yeah. this is how it's going to land, Doc. <laughs> it, it, you know, kismet, fate, whatever yeah. you want to say, but that fucking rules. And you, um, you went to Washington Square Park for the first time yesterday. I did. I had a very weird interaction with a, a uh, Whatever tier celebrity you want to consider the girl from <laughs> Betty. Betty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was a, 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 any skateboard-related interaction, I think, is appropriate there. Well, uh, of course I'm going to go and watch the yeah. skateboarders. Literally, like, I – so I, I listened to this record while walking. And I, and I got to say, man, moods have shifted on the record. Okay. Being here. It, I appreciate that. I'm excited to talk about Mood it. Moods shifted on the record being here. Um, but I'm, I'm listening to the record and I'm walking there. Um, I'm getting oriented cause I'm, I'm learning the streets, the way the numbers go. And I'm also doing all this without a map. <laughs> That's right. Smartphone. <laughs> free. Part. I'm, I'm just, I know which streets I need to get to. Uh, I know what corners I'm trying to find and I'm just kind of wandering until I run into the right street and then I turn. And then if it's, if it's the wrong direction, well, Damn it! I'm turning around. I'm walking back the other direction. And I did it I, several times to make my way to Washington Square Park. And I get there, record ends, and I I think I pushed play on it again, and I started. To, I noticed the guy was like playing guitar, 
so I paused my paused my iPod and I'm listening to this dude just like shred and like like 30 something degree weather on his guitar he's just jamming um and then i hear the snap of a skateboard tail on the ground yeah and my ears perk up and i go oh well i need to go see what's going on so i start looking around and in the fountain like area or whatever there's a couple kids playing skate so i hop over and i'm sitting on this ledge and i look down and i see this girl sitting down there with her skateboard in her backpack and she turns at one point and I, I can't remember the name of her character, but she's like the funny one mm-hmm. in Betty. Uh, I see the side of her face and I go, that looks like the girl from Betty. So I'm sitting there a little longer watching these kids skate. I'm not being weird. I'm, I swear to God, I'm not being weird. <laughs> not, be, not being weird. Um, one of them lands something and she says like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And like, like I hear her voice and I go, okay, that is the girl from Betty. I now know it now that I've heard her voice. Yeah. Um, so I sit there, I watch them finish their game of skate. And even at one point, one of them landed a three, it ended, one of them landed a 360 flip and the other one couldn't do it. So, uh, um, beautiful 360 flip. Although I will say I could land them more consistently than these kids. I was, I was, I was a better skateboarder than these kids. When I was good doing it, I'm be- I was better than them. I, um, and to be fair t- to the best skaters around are not the Washington Square Park skaters. There's yeah. other parks. Chad could have told you about those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, but I uh, also my legs, though, felt like they were filled with cement from the shows being played this weekend. I've been hobbling for days. I've been, I've been being very brave about how much pain I'm in. But, uh, but uh, they finished this game of skate, and I, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving. And I lean forward, and I... Like I said, like, yo, I got her attention. She looked at me terrified. <laughs> and I said, you were in that show, Betty, weren't you? And she like nodded, but still looked so scared. Like, what is this guy going to say to me? Is he going to ask me for a pick? Is he going to start like punishing me or whatever? And I looked at her and I said, my girlfriend's going to be so excited that I saw you. And I got up and I walked away. That was the right way to do it. But she's clearly uncomfortable she- with clearly uncomfortable being recognized for minor celebrity status yeah i felt so bad dude that was that was not a bad (laughs) interaction at all that's that's her that's her reaction you were very reasonable i have theory that she might have been just like really high and tracks washington square park you know i've got fucking crew cut army jacket on you can't tell i'm tattooed head to toe i might look scary i don't know I have my glasses on, though. I look way more punchable with You're my bit, glasses on. You were dressed like Travis Bickle, basically. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was cool, though. And awesome. I, I mean, the parks were awesome. Got to see a bunch of landmarks. Got to see a bunch of landmarks covered in scaffolding. Beautiful. It, it seems like fucking everywhere these days. Have you watched How To With John Wilson on HBO? Yes. The scaffolding episode is fucking brilliant. Dude. It's brilliant. There's some scaffolding that's like been up more than a decade in certain places. Insane. And they don't that like they just finished the job and left it. And it, All right. it really makes the place look a lot uglier. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. Yeah. When I was looking at like these like wonderful like facades and then sometimes I would see like a facade and I'd see like maybe like this netting is that for people climbing it 
No, it's just to when they're doing, birds? when they're doing facade work, it's to keep anything from falling. Well, I saw it on the arch at Washington Square Park. They mm. had netting around like a part, and I was like, "Is that I'm, because somebody tried to climb it?" That that might be. I okay. Because also it is very typically a protest starting or ending yeah. point. It's like you know, because as you can see, it's right at the end of Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. The arch is iconic. Yeah. It's a big space, so there are often demonstrations and things like that. Speaking of, do you see the videos that uh, Walter Masterson, comedian down there for the um, the uh, the pro the pro Israel uh, protest? No, I haven't seen. Holding those. the sign, wearing a stormtrooper helmet, holding a sign that says the Empire was right. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, like, Dude, he's just great. shouting, like, Alderaan had it coming. Dude. Alderaan was using human shields. I gotta watch People that. People are losing their minds, angry at him. He is, he is just straight. He is playing it so straight. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Dude. I'm just trying to talk about Star Wars. It's so perfect, too, because I guarantee you a large number of that group of New York Zionists that were there have like laughed at him doing that shit at Trump rallies, yes. you know, and mm-hmm. like are, are used to comfortably being like on the yep. other side of the joke. And now like, don't, you know, they're the classic, like, Oh yeah, well I'm very progressive. And then mm-hmm. the topic of Israel comes up and all of a sudden, exactly. So yeah. What a great gag, though. No, this is amazing. I got to watch that. He went to a a Palestine protest, too, and was doing it, and people were, like, dapping him up. Yeah. That's really funny. (laughs) People were like, what are you saying? And then he would say it, and then they would go, oh, okay. And they'd walk away. I think he's Jewish, too, which is, like, I love – I mean, we've talked about it here before. Like, that's been – The most important voice. The most important voice. And, like, the biggest – especially how many, like – young Jewish folks have stood up and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, loudly and clearly said, not in my name. That's, um, but props to the ones using humor, man. Cause that's, that's that's an important part of everything. That's all you can do. Right. Exactly. Um, one more thing on Washington square though, before we start talking about the record, cause I always think about it anyway, but especially you talking about skating. Have you seen kids, the movie kids love kids? Well, so, Okay, Thir- I appreciate kids. Does anybody love kids? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's deeply disturbing. It's a feel bad movie. Yes, it's a feel bad movie. Yeah. Well, two things. Most Harmony Krim movies are yes. feel bad movies. Two things that I have to say about kids. One is, anytime you talk about skating in Washington Square Park, I think about the scene of them hitting that guy with the skateboard. Yep. Two. My old boss, uh, I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but if you do, Priscilla Forsythe, hello, I miss you, you rock. (laughs) Um, New York City native, born and raised. She's in the movie. Um, Minor part, but there's a line in it that if you'll remember, it's like when one of the groups of girls are like hanging out in like a bedroom, she's the one who says... I like sex. I love fucking. I don't give a fuck. That woman was my boss at so badass. Teach for America. That's so badass. And um, part of the se- some of those scenes were filmed 
in her house on St. Mark's Place because she's like, I mean, like I said, New York City native. Um, her her dad came over from Trinidad and, you know, bought this brownstone on St. Mark's Place in the early 70s when it was like an open air heroin mm -hmm. market down there. Right. And they could have never foreseen how different that neighborhood yeah. was going to, you know, where he spent like the first several years they lived there, like every morning, like Cleaning chasing, chasing yeah. junkies off the steps and things like that. Like hoping somebody wouldn't like overdose on his stoop. You know what I mean? Um, but she grew up there and like was, is like the same age, you know? So like new Rosario Dawson, like from the neighborhood and just, and has interesting, like, reflections on it because they've done like kids reunions and stuff I, like I that i haven't watched the the documentary about it. i haven't watched it either but i think has like mixed feelings about the whole thing because like mm -hmm. she was a teenager too at yeah. the time and like w we talked about it though because it's it's so fascinating like you said it's a feel bad movie mm -hmm. but when i watched it as a kid myself i remember even though like yeah, it's dark. It's real. It's it's real, and it's like it's who I wanted to be at the time, right? Like, it, it made me it made me wish that I lived in a place where, if nothing else, I could just walk out my door and mm -hmm. go see all my friends on my own and yeah. do shit and not have to always be trying to get a ride and stuff like you that. See, dude, like, like I did have that life. Yeah. Even though I lived out in, you know, the white trash, like white flight area yeah. of Louisville, I was right on a main bus line. Nice. Yeah. I had every, I had the whole, I had the whole city at my fingertips at all times. I, I had, I was completely autonomous from age, from age like 14. That rules. I was fully autonomous. And I unfortunately saw kids and was like, I'm, I'm actually not represented in this movie because <laughs> I'm the one good one. I mean, that's the thing. I, I was every one of my friends though. Yeah. Is in this movie. I, yeah. I knew and fully represented. I definitely knew a Casper. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, there was like one of like, we, we would joke. We'd be like, yeah. we could pick parts but i wasn't in there because there was no there was no kid who was like nah i don't know about this guys right there's none of there was no person yeah. like that and that was me that was you that was me that's quietly so, not doing any drugs in the corner that's yeah no i i totally hear and that. having no sex i mean and at the i was definitely not having sex at the time but i was doing drugs um not much mm -hmm. but frankly it was an issue of access mainly i think mm -hmm. I, if i had fucking lived here it probably would have been a lot worse trouble for me. yeah um but also, public transportation rules, because that is one difference between Louisville and Memphis. Is Memphis technically has buses, but it really don't take you nowhere. Yeah, so, Louisville, um, Louisville doesn't have the best. Yeah, but it. I just happen to be live in a spot in where the it works. right yeah. spot to That's have the thing. access. I lived pretty far, even from the bus stop that I would need to, you mm -hmm. know. But all that said. Oh, go ahead. What were you the say? road I did have to skate down to get to that bus stop mm -hmm. killed a garbage man every year. Wow. <laughs> that's so, insane. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is nuts. <laughs> um, but like, long story short, me and Priscilla 
talked about a lot, like having the experience of me being like, even though I knew it was fucked up mm-hmm. as a kid, having this like fantasy, fantasy mm-hmm. yeah, like, man, I wish I lived in New York, man, like this is so cool. Yeah. Like, you know, and then watching it again as an adult and being like truly horrified. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially not just as an adult, but as someone who then had like teaching under my belt and like mm-hmm. working with youth, working with New York City youth, all that kind of stuff. It like made my heart ache. Oh, yeah. And felt so exploitative. You know what I mean? So and like similar, similar movie to kids. And unfortunately, with how fucking embarrassing Jonah Hill has been in the past <laughs> year, finding out so many embarrassing, awful parts of his personality. Um, but that movie mid 90s he made that essentially like kids on the West Coast. Yeah. That one is almost even more accurate to my friend group. <laughs> well, and I really liked that movie. I loved it. Because it, that one, again, I was obviously watching it as an adult, mm-hmm. but um, it really did like, yeah, it, it felt more like my experience, mm-hmm. both with like skate culture. I was never a great skater. Yeah. But like, if you were just into different shit, like you knew, the, you knew all that shit. That's yeah. how you were going to get access to music. That's mm-hmm. how you were going to get everything was through skate. So it's like, I might've spent more time watching skate videos and figuring out who the songs were by and looking for those CDs than you ever that did I did actually skate. skating. Yeah. But I also, so I, I can say like, was I a skater? No, but I wouldn't have become the person I was without skateboarding culture. Right. Um, so I felt connected to that too. And I have to tell you, especially growing up, in Memphis before my mom got remarried and we moved to the suburbs being one of, you know, a few white kids at my oh, school, yeah. I got called sunburn <laughs> a couple times. Cause you know, of course I wasn't wearing sunscreen uh-huh. and we'd be out running around in the summer and my ass would turn red. Um, so That's I like, so I laughed so hard cause I was that like, rocks. I was like, that happened to me. <laughs> like, no shit. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't, I you know, I, I really enjoyed that movie, but I hadn't thought about it in comparison to kids. So Yeah, no, I mean, I, I immediately tied it out. Because, yeah. well, and that's the, <laughs> to bring it back to me running into, uh, all back to Washington Square, me running into Homegirl from Betty. Right. Those are the three best uh, representations of skateboarding culture ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing. You can just, you can appreciate the accuracy when, when, when it's your part of something. I mean, that's why when we talk, even though it's totally different when we talk about the wire, I'm like, I've taught in a school like that. That is so much more realistic than I've seen depicted in so many other movies, TV shows, everything else. Um, well, this was a really long intro, intro, but I mean, hell we're in the same room. Like we're rocking and rolling also to pull back the curtain. It took me forever to figure out how to get two mics to record at the same time. So um, that's, you know, I, I was like, this is going to be so much easier in person. And then I realized that I'm an idiot. Um, but You just didn't know yet. I just didn't know yet, man. And now I know. Mm-hmm. Learning is important. So when we do this in a year again. Exactly. It'll I'll go have, quicker. When we do this in a year again, I'll have forgotten everything. Everything. But I will it. know, oh, there's a guy on YouTube that will tell me how to do this. That I should go the right to. audio MIDI file. Yes, like where I would have never clicked. Um, 
Thank you, Logic Pro X. So Washington Square Serenade is a Steve Earle album. It is a Steve Earle album. Came out in 2007. Came out in 2007. It's the first one on New West. First one on New West. That he's still on. That he is still on. Also, I didn't make this connection until after I'd listened to it again several times. Mm -hmm. Produced by John King, who is one of the Dust Brothers. Electronic music. Oh, okay. And I think that explains some of the weird, weird choices. synth drum choices yeah. um, that, for me, mostly don't work. Yeah. Um, but that I realized that because I did a little digging and I was like, who's this guy? Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, I'm not a fan of electronic music, but I knew who the Dust Brothers were. Yeah. And big name in like I'm the opposite that. of a fan of electronic music. Oh, I hate it. I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> it, I call it beep boop music. I fucking uh -huh. hate it. It makes me mad. Would would M83 be considered electronic music? I've never even heard of M83. I like M83. I like, but I think M83 is like shoegaze. Well, that no, I like some things with synth. Yeah. I just don't like it when the whole thing was made on a computer. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like I, I love tons of, I love tons of new wave. Mm -hmm. I love tons of stuff that uses synthesizers. Yeah. And or that uses electronic elements. Mm -hmm. um, I love tons of hip hop that uses drum machines yeah. and sampling and stuff like that. But there's something about when like the whole thing is electronic. Yes. Um, I get why people who are just looking for a beat get into it. Mm -hmm. But it's still this is where like cranky old man comes out. Going to see a DJ. No. Just I it, it like I'm no, like, what? No. And half the time I know an, it, it, you might not believe this, since it took me forty five minutes to just set up two microphones in a room. But I know enough about <laughs> certain elements of live music production to be able to tell when it's like they're not actually doing anything. They're just pushing play. Yeah, when you know, but you can make yourself like you do a mm -hmm. lot of fading back and forth. On yeah. the track that's not actually even playing right now, mm -hmm. you know, or that you can just hear in your headphones and that's not in the PA yet. So yeah. that's the thing. There are great DJs. Um, would I ever pay money to go see somebody do that? No. Um, you so. know, you know, the only DJs I care about who wedding DJs, dude, a good wedding DJ is gold. Fuck a yeah. bad wedding DJ is the worst thing mm -hmm. ever. We had to give our wedding DJ a um, do not playlist. Yeah. Because um, I was like, I'm less concerned with, like, I, I trust your judgment on what's going to get the people moving. You know what I mean? Here's a few things that I don't want to fucking hear. Yeah. And it was like Black Eyed Peas and stuff like that. <laughs> like a few of those you songs. You want to hear my humps, dog? Um, yeah, I didn't want to hear my humps. I forget at the time there was a few things that were really popular then that or I was or like, let's get not gonna go there. I wanted to make sure. So finish that one. Here's the thing: I have my my buddy Vinny, who, um, great drummer, played with Bold, mm -hmm. took me on tour with them, and later I was in Vinny and the Hooligans with. Um, he DJed for a while, and you know, like, knew it, where it was basically just like. I know enough, like, let's get the crowd moving and stuff like that. And I wanted him to be our wedding DJ because he's a pro. Like, mm -hmm. he can do it. But 
we needed somebody who also knew Indian music well because we wanted it to be a good blend of Mm -hmm. like Western pop music and Indian music. And he did a bang up job. This guy we hired, I don't remember his name, but he did a great job. Good for him. And also he, the other thing I'll say about wedding DJs is like knew when to get on the mic and when to shut up and let the music go. Cause I've also been to weddings where, Every, like it's like dude people are dancing they want to hear the music not you going oh you know like yeah um yeah yeah what do we, god how did we start to oh the dust brothers yeah. yeah so anyway i suspect that some of the interesting choices particularly with synth drums that steve made on this record might be because of the dust brothers influence so makes sense to me yeah yeah this record won a grammy it did the last one did apparently too. We didn't say that. I didn't Dude, know that either. There was a didn't while. Didn't say that in the book when I when I I didn't get I that information from the book, so I didn't get I, it until I, I noticed that too. That. Um, frankly, man, I think there was a long little while where, in the folk Americana category, there wasn't a lot of competition, mm-hmm. or the things that would have been competition just didn't have enough industry clout to get considered. Yeah. You know, because obviously there was great stuff, mm-hmm. but they're only considering like a hand. It's like, well, Bob Dylan didn't put out a record this year. Yep. So I guess this is Steve's year. Yeah. This I guess the next, let's go to the next one. You know, yeah. like that's typically no, how I it mean, works. He's written so many good records before this. For this, right. for Revolution to be the first Grammy winner yeah, is so weird to me. And it's, it's also just so weird to me for him to win a Grammy for like one of his most politically charged records mm-hmm. and then for his least one. Yes pretty insane it yes absolutely and i think this is also it's an interesting point too because it's now that we're like well into the 2000s Mm -hmm. it's like even though steve has constantly been putting out new music Mm -hmm. obviously all the way to this day he's finally he's entered like legacy act status because now it's been over 20 years Mm -hmm. that he's been a name so and they haven't gotten rid of him yet right exactly yeah yeah it's just crazy to me because for Revolution Starts Now, one of my favorite Steve Rowe records, Washington Square Serenade, one of my least favorite Steve Rowe records, Grammy, doesn't mean anything. No. <laughs> it, and frankly, still does. I mean, at the Grammys just recently, I was joking like, because um, like Boy Genius won several Grammys, mm-hmm. which, who I love. Jason Isbell's won several Grammys, which mm-hmm. I love. I only care when I'm like, that's the right decision. Mm-hmm. But 99% of the time, like, who yeah. gives a shit, right? Uh-huh. You only um, care when your team's winning. I only care when my team's winning. Yeah. But otherwise, it's meaningless. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Um, it, all, it all goes back to um, the year that they gave Jethro Tull the best medal award over and justice for all. Um, doesn't even make sense. doesn't even make sense, but they did. And, um, you know, but Metallica won for the Black Album. It's a hard record, though. It's a hard record. Yeah. It's underappreciated, I think. Wherever I May Roam is uh, a pretty crazy song. (laughs) It's a crazy song. Um, (laughs) Hey, I I found, um, not I, I can't take credit for this, um, but I have to shout out our good friend Chad Letty, 
who I hung out with all day. Hung today. out with today from Roll Call, Perfect World, um, and the New York we, City Fire Department. We both had the first experience we for both of us of finding our own record for sale in a record store today. That rules. Was it a generation? At limited to one. Limited to one. I found an inclination record. At generation, he found the roll call record. That's awesome. We got to share that today. That's awesome. It was sweet. The other day when riding the subway, Chad found the nomad vagabond, call him what you will, um, riding the train. Oh my God, that guy is badass. I'll, 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 I'll have to post a picture of this gentleman. Those sunglasses are sick. <laughs> yeah, dude. Holy shit, that's awesome. This, this guy appreciates the Black Album. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's, you know, it's funny, like, the I guess the hardcore and metal, like lens that I view everything to because I was like the Black Album's underappreciated Brian the Black Album is the best selling record yes. of all time you it's just underappreciated among punks among punks yep. who tend to think that like after Master of Puppets nothing is mm-hmm. good which is wrong yes um, so because I'm gonna go ahead and say it my favorite Metallica song Mission Impossible 2 theme no shit yeah that rules the soundtrack does that song dude that song rocks <laughs> I used I, to put in that that soundtrack, skip to the Metallica song, listen to it, eject the CD. Dude, that <laughs> rules. I was briefly playing with a hardcore band that, you know, didn't work out. Uh-huh. But when we were working on things, I brought a riff to practice once just to fuck with everybody. And they were like, dude, that's an ass stomper. And then I went. That's two by four off load. Because <laughs> it's the... I was like, if you put the right drum beat under that, oh, yeah. that's a mosh part. I mean, there's parts of St. Anger. If it was recorded better... That could have worked. Absolutely. The lyrics were insane. Dude. I think it's a better comedy album. I mean... Ev- but... I don't think there was a, has been a single perfect world practice where lines from some kind of monster weren't part of it it's fucking like fantastic. somebody coming in and be like you told me it was fucking hawaiian shirt day <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome i made that's one of the few i i, I punished rachna once and made her watch some kind of monster with me i don't think Just, girls get it well but she's a therapist and so I wanted to be like, I want you to see this guy. Yeah. That they had, that's like their counselor or uh-huh. whatever. And she was like horrified. <laughs> that's awesome. She was like, this is the most unethical behavior. And then just also. She saw it as a horror movie, not a comedy. Right. Well, but it just like made it was like, what a like scam artist this guy is. Because yeah. she was like, they could have like literally hired any random like social work graduate student that was just an honest person. Uh-huh. gotten like a real experience and instead they found this maniac who just like wanted to be in a movie or whatever um and then there's also the famous scene of him like doing his counseling while he's like picking every vegetable off of the sandwich that he has and it's just like it's just amazing and they just god knows how much money they paid that dude like incredible dude, that that whole record just so much money was spent it rules it rules For no return it's like <laughs> I just think of things like I can't even somebody uses the word frantic in a sentence and my dumbass starts going frantic tick 
<laughs> God, so that bad. part is so insane. That's uh, uh, Hannibal Burris has the best. Uh, um, he he talks about God, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he um, he compares things to like when God was like making animals. Uh-huh. Um, is very similar. I think he also might. It might be something to do with like Kanye West too, and like when you. When you've got too many yes men around, you don't have anybody who's gonna like keep you from making whack tracks in the studio. Yes. So you have your homies there, uh-huh. so they'll like keep you in check and be like, "I don't think that works." Yeah, yeah. There was no one in the room. <laughs> there was no. no adult in the room there present. Was definitely not for any of James Hetfield's vocal parts. No. Amazing, dude. His lifestyle dictates his death style. What can I say? That lyric is hard, though. That is a hard lyric. Like it's almost That's, like he wrote that lyric and was and they were like I guess we can't criticize anything. That was the crowning accomplishment, honestly, of the yeah. record. But god damn it, um, there's also there's so many funny YouTube videos of like somebody who's like actually like playing like a beer keg as the snare drum as they play along with it. It rules. That's so. Sick. I'll never get sick of it. Yeah. Um, but load and reload both have tracks, and I I won't. don't think I've ever listened to them. You're gonna later tonight. Okay. Um, I can't wait. Um, we should talk. Speaking of tracks, we should talk about this record. Well, let's get in. Uh, yeah. So there's a short forward on this one. Yeah. And um, I think immediately after this, I want to talk about my thoughts on the record. Aside from my experience this week. Okay. In yeah. New York City, listening to it. But uh, Steve writes in the forward for Washington Square Serenade. So I'm walking down West 4th Street, taking great pains not to disappear into the footprints of giants and even my accent isn't making much of an impression because I ain't the first cowboy up at this rodeo. Somebody suggested that I was at least half a century too late, and in parentheses it says, not to mention a little long in the tooth, to be dragging a guitar around these streets, raising a racket, and asking a lot of annoying questions that have been asked again and again and again by more distinguished, chat- or by more distinguished chatterboxes than myself. But the fact, the fact is, I read all those books, and I heard all those records, and they taught me how and what to ask. But now, here I am in midlife, and then in parentheses it says, assuming I live to be 104, (laughs) and I'm still waiting for the answer. So I reckoned it was hard time, it was high time, I followed my muse downtown to see what all the fuss was about firsthand. As long as there's been an east and a west, easterners have been headed west in search of fortune and fame, and westerners have have, have periodically appeared at the gates and reported that it is indeed big out there. Of course, most of those who took Horace Greeley at his word never returned, and not everyone who came to the city stuck it out. But one man's frontier is, after all, another man's limit, and it takes all kinds and all manner of comings and goings to make a village. Now that I've finally arrived in my own personal city of dreams to walk, er, now that I've uh, arrived in my own personal city of dreams to walk streets with names I've heard sung all my life, I don't have any answers, but I can tell you a truth or two. And then in a, in a different font, it says, In the next life, the first thing I'll do is find Allison before anyone else does, and I'll carry her away with me to live in New York City. Steve Earle, June 07. P.S. Fuck Lou Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. That rules. The end is my favorite part of it, because I have... My my feeling on this record before this week mm-hmm. 
is I don't like it when Steve's happy. Yeah. I hear That's that. it. Yeah. I don't like it when he's happy. And he's happy here. He's he's not angry. Right. He's not mad or frustrated about anything. He's not mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. So there's not as much attitude. Mm-hmm. There's not as much swagger. There's not. He's not he's not being a shit yeah. on this record. He's dude, that is such a great point. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. And like he's been like content or in happy, loving relationships and other records, but there's been something going on where he's right. like furious enough to like at least like fire one off. Right. Or write like a depressing song about the state of the world. Yeah. I mean, I th- and I think maybe outside of like Oxycontin Blues. Which we'll get to when we talk about it. Yeah. But but yeah, I just, I, I, I had that, that thought on, on this, on, uh, on literally like I just reading this while you're setting up for the 45 minutes behind the curtain to <laughs> um, so do the, the podcast. I was yeah. reading that and I was, I, I wrote down, Steve's too happy. <laughs> I wrote that note down to remember like, that's it. That's the thing about this record. Yeah. That I think it's just, he's too happy. He's too content on this record. Dude. Yes. I had not thought about it in that specific way, but I can, I totally agree. Cause it's like, it's interesting. It's not just like he's at a particular high point in his marriage to Alison Moorer, which ended like all doesn't the, work out yeah <laughs> all the other ones did but, but produced a wonderful baby <laughs> a wonderful baby that like has changed his life changed his life that you know steve does a, an amazing benefit show for his school every year so that has helped thousands of other kids you know with special needs the same as john henry has mm-hmm. and like him and allison apparently still have a very good relationship yeah. as co-parents too um so that is different from mm-hmm. some of the other failed marriages, but also like New York city calmed him down, you know, like he, 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 he found a peace here, which is crazy. Cause it's it, so noisy. It's so noisy. <laughs> and he lives in a real noisy part of it too. Um, but like, you know, I don't have any other lens for this because this is also the first Steve Earle record that came out since I lived in New mm-hmm. York. I moved here in 2005. Steve moved here in 2007. Um, and I like on listening to it for this purpose to talk about for the podcast, I walked away honestly with pretty similar feelings to what I had then, then which is, God, I wish these songs were better Mm -hmm. because there's so much lyrically that is like in my heart. Mm -hmm. Like literally the first song is a a shared journey (laughs) we took. Like, whoa, I literally left Tennessee for New York City Mm -hmm. like the same way in like the goodbye guitar town. Like that's like, you know, I mean, he's talking about Nashville, but Mm -hmm. we all know Memphis is the guitar town. Either way. (laughs) Like moving, it's where more of his records were recorded. I think that's true. <laughs> more good records, period. But um, that, like all that said, like you know, from the yeah, the the tracks, the 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 freaking 
the weird drum beats mm-hmm. were weird from the start for then, me, right? Yeah. And I just remember, I, I have very vivid memories of buying this CD at the Virgin Megastore in Union Square, rest in peace. Um, I mean, much better nowadays for all the great independent record stores around, but when you were just looking for a CD, especially a newer one, it was like you popped in there and got it. And, um, it, and it was just like also where you could go and just like kill a ton of time because mm-hmm. it was like a mall-sized like record and DVD store. You know, Which, speaking Which, of CDs, and I usually will have the LP right. on hand and read the foreword from right. – I've got my dad's copy of Washington Square Serenade that I got him for his birthday or Christmas or something that I brought yeah. with me so I could read this. On CD. On CD. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but I bought that CD at the Virgin Megastore and remember, like, it was also an interesting period because, like, I – it's like if it had been a little bit earlier, I would have immediately put it in my Discman. Mm-hmm. But I was at the point where it's yeah, like – iPod I gotta, then? Yeah, I got to take it home and put it in my computer – Mm-hmm. And then put it on the iPod, and I remember just being like, "I hope not. I hope every song doesn't have these drums on them." <laughs> and then it's did like, you do the listening going. station thing to hear? I didn't. It? I just was like, "New Steve Earle record." I bought it, um, and yeah. So I think my feelings on it haven't changed, but it should also tell you something that like this might be of the Steve Earle records that I either owned or was most familiar with the one I have gone back to the, the least. least. Yeah. And on the literally the only song that sometimes comes up on a playlist on my like Spotify or somewhere else that I don't skip is Tennessee Blues. Really? Um, even though it's like, again, I don't think musically it's a great song. I just really connect with the lyrics. I, uh, I actually do like Tennessee Blues. Really? Like even like all like all like recording yeah. Like whatever qualms you got with recording the synth or whatever. Drums just ruin it for me. Yeah, I, I guess I just don't hear the synth drums really and I it's, I do like this song a lot. Yeah, I mean you gotta it's bound for New York City, won't be back no mm-hmm. more. And I think it's like, a good tone setter, I think it like it is too. But unfortunately the tone of this record is just low energy. It's, it's low energy and content. Yeah. And like that's not what we look to Steve yeah. for generally like I th- but I do like like the somberness of it I like how it yeah. does it does seem like he's somewhat like mourning <clears throat> like it yeah. and everything yeah but uh, I will say have you seen him play Tennessee Blues I don't think so he, he gives I've seen him play it twice and he gives a really awesome talk about why he like it's er he might give this talk too for other songs, but one of the reasons why he talks about leaving and wanting to live in New York City is because, in I've heard him say this in, in interviews too, he wanted to be able to walk down the street and see a black gay couple with an adopted Asian child <laughs> and that not be the weirdest fucking thing to see. That's what he said, yeah. Like, that's just a common thing that he can just walk down the street and see. And he was sick of living in a place that would have condemned people for making choices like that. Yeah. And um, and I, I always think that it's, it's so cool because he takes – because he is taking this song that is very just personal 
yeah. and adding a very pointed mm-hmm. specific like like frustration he was having to why he made the decision he made which i think i do that might make me like it a little bit more because i do see where like he had like bigger reasons yeah whereas i think some of these songs are just like they're just songs yes I can totally hear that. They aren't anthems. They aren't um, expressions mm-hmm. as much, I think, as just like they're filling space. Yeah. In so many ways. That's true for a lot of them. Yeah. But I do like Tennessee Blues. I, I, yeah. I actually I actually like it. And, and I will say, dude, this list, like putting that on, like you, when you said, here you go, Tyler, you, you're, you get on this, on this bus and yeah. you walked away from me. I put my headphones in. I push play. Listening and to it in New York City gives it a different vibe, doesn't it? And it gave it a completely different vibe. Yep. Just being around all the people and starting this record on the on the subway, right? And ending it at Washington Square Park, like that's cool. It was cool. It was very cool. And a lot of the songs, like like listening to Down Here Below, like as I'm crossing the Manhattan Bridge. Yeah, man, that's cool. It was cool. <laughs> I love that. I feel similarly about down here below right it's i it's not my favorite song musically but go ahead i got a comparison for this song what's the comparison sean mullins rockabye dude the spoken part into the yeah oh my god (laughs) i haven't thought about that song in a long time i'm not gonna lie i love that song and then into the (laughs) yeah i love that song that song's cool it's a but similar like spoken yes. word cadence too. I I was like I like I actually like the talking part in the song, but it does remind me of that yeah. Sean Mullins song, which I like. So I, I'm kind of here for down here below a I little mean, bit. I wrote again. Th- there's a lot musically here that doesn't work for me, but I can't help but love a New York City ass song, spoken and sung with a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. And then I also love like there's just little stuff like. Um, the, the just the intelligent references that he oh, makes. yeah because one it's it's like it's cool anyway to think about from the perspective of like you know all of us in the rat race down here on the street are down here below and like there's something about the you know the bird's eye view of the city they're the mm-hmm. they're the ones that really own it but even a reference to like i saw joe mitchell's ghost on a downtown a train and over there behind you is up in the old hotel by Joseph Mitchell um, that I didn't know. I didn't get this reference when I first got the record and then later found like up in the old hotel is a collection of New York city based like short stories from the early 20th century that like totally it is like no wonder Steve loves it. Mm -hmm. It's dark, but also funny like all those things. That's um, awesome. And so like Joe Mitchell's ghost on a downtown a train, he just rides on forever. That's just a brilliant line. Um, when you're talking about New York, um, and even the, the, the Fulton fish market shut down and move into Hunts point in the Bronx, but they're never going to get that smell out of the water. Yeah. I don't give a damn how much of that new money they burn. Yo, it's like, it's just so good because Right where over the bridge there are some of those massive luxury high mm-hmm. rises, used to be a fish market, like the one of the largest ones on the East Coast. Yeah. and like that was a big thing at first. Is like even after they shipped the the market. I wonder how many Bronx, openings to Law and Order episodes they they filmed there. Not enough. 
because it, 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 it you know it was it was gone too early but you know there's so much other stuff that goes with that too because you know now all the truck traffic goes through low-income neighborhoods mm-hmm. in the bronx instead of down here but like you know people moving into a, a building that was literally built on top of what was a fish market for a hundred years and then being like it smells funny down here and i'm like well no shit it smells funny <laughs> that's awesome you know um that rules. so he very quickly like Acclimated himself yeah. and got it, and I felt cool because this was I two years into me living here, and when I was first starting to feel like, yeah, I don't get lost on the train anymore, mm-hmm. and like I kind of get it, or I or I know enough people now, yeah, that I've got like a friend group a here grasp, too, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, but it's like the the beats, man. I'm I, I just. These could be great songs if you just had a, dr- a real drummer. Real drummer. <laughs> well, it's it, Patrick Earl is credited with percussion yeah. on this. And I but think I some of them, some of the that I'm calling synth drums might not be synth drums. It just sounds. But it's maybe just, it's maybe it's produced like synth it's, drums. Yeah, it's yeah. just like you know a very like mechanical sounding mm-hmm. beat, rather than it having like the like obviously I want a drummer to be precise. Yeah. But like you, you can, want it to vibe. You, I want it to vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I um, feel you. If ever it, it's, it's a good thing for me if every symbol hit is not exactly the same. You know that kind of thing. Um, the next song is "Satellite Radio." Mm-hmm. This might be, in my opinion, Tyler, one of the worst songs that Steve Earle has ever written. You think this is one of the worst ones? I hate it with a fiery. Pa- I hate the way he sings it. I I think it's just it makes me angry. I hate it. I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I I don't hate this song. I think it's like kind of catchy. Um, I wrote it. It's kind of a low key banger emphasis on low key. This is the song that has by far the most streams on this album. What was it like on something? Like, no, it, I don't it, know. Cause that's, I don't Why? No. Was it on satellite radio? I mean, was, did they just play it on satellite radio? And was it like dude, a gimmick? Or I have something? no idea. I was, I was hoping maybe you knew, but for comparison's sake, um, uh, you know, by Steve's standards on streaming, this is pretty low across the mm-hmm. board yeah. compared to so many of his other records. Um, Tennessee Blues, 1.7 million. Satellite Radio, 7.5 million. What? I, it had to be on something or on some kind of playlist to get that much, right? Because yeah. I just can't see that many people like choosing violence yes yeah yeah so yeah that's crazy um Um, the thing that i like about satellite radio is just it makes me think about the justin town song where he talks about hearing his dad on the radio that's really sweet i like that and that's kind of where i am on it i think i appreciate that yeah um was tennessee blues would you consider that your favorite song on this record no are we moving on yeah, let's move on. Have is we gotten ne- to your favorite song yet? No. Is the next song your favorite song? No. But really? I like it, but I like it. It's my. It's. I think it's the best song on the record. City of Immigrants. It's not my favorite song. Yeah. But I think it's the best one. It's cool. You know why I think it's it's the best one? The pan flute. It's just a real band. It's a real. It's a. It's four zero in the dark. It's okay. so cool. Yeah. It's a very. I, and honestly, I thought this song was cringy the first time I heard it. Yeah. But yeah. it's, no, it's it's a it's a good song. It's completely grown on me, and I'm gonna go ahead and say, walking around New York listening to this song is very cool. It is right, <laughs> like, 
I, I mean, and so yeah, it's it's called City of Immigrants, and it his the the backing band on this track is Foro in the Dark, which is a band of Brazilian immigrants who live in New York. I love what they do. Um, and they play you know traditional Brazilian music with a lot of like a pan flute, mm-hmm. you know, different kinds of drums. Stuff I love like that. what they do with this song, dude. It. It's really good. It's amazing. And My eyes are wa- are welling up right now dude, thinking about it. It's so good. I mean, <laughs> living in a city of immigrants, I don't need to go traveling. Open my door and the world walks in. And what I wrote under that was, I fucking love it here, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, I get so much energy from, like, sitting on the train and hearing six different languages being mm-hmm. spoken at the same time yeah know? i was sitting and when i was sitting there waiting for my uh my basil fried rice at uh at the the market or yeah. whatever i was listening to these kids speak thai right next to me yeah and i was listening to this record and i could hear them over that and it's i'm like so that's cool, very man. cool it's really special <laughs> yeah. it's like so cool um so, you know, this is one of my favorite songs on the record okay. but it's not my it's not my top i wrote favorite. gotta be brian's favorite it's cl- <laughs> it might be number it's number three it's number three. It's number three. There's two in front of this one. There's two in front Damn, of this well, then one. you like more about this record than I thought. Yeah. My my favorite is one that could have been on any Steve record. Oh, okay. That we get to later. Um, so next is Sparkle and Shine, which I feel like for me is kind of the opposite of how I feel about Tennessee Blues and Down Here Below, which is I like this song but the lyrics don't do anything for me. Yeah, it's just kind it's of a kind of you know, too cute. It's too cute. I mean, he was so smitten with Allison mm-hmm. at this point, you can tell. He did play this on the Alone tour though and it really worked live. That's awesome. I it could really I could worked see it. Live. I could see, and I could see it because again it's like like it's a good song. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, man, you say sparkle and shine a lot a of lot. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This highway this highway. Yeah, you see, this one doesn't bother me <laughs> as much as, as this highway is mine. Um, I hear you. No, and I'm I'm totally thinking about like him doing this solo and hearing how that could be really cool, bro. Come home to me. I just wrote skip. So what I've got on this one is this is one of those songs that on one of his last records I like because it's a nice chill track. Unfortunately, so much of this record is samey. This song is completely forgettable for me, but I like a lot about it. The lyrics are very real, which is certainly heartfelt, but that's not enough to make this track for me. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with all of that, and I couldn't even be bothered to like take the time to write that. Yeah, I was just like, Ugh. well, the thing is, the song was long enough that I had time to write all of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I appreciate that. Um, up next is Jericho Road, and I wrote, this song feels so Steve just because of the storytelling uh-huh. and the metaphors and, and, like, and that we're all in this together kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like it. I may actually hate this song. You hate this song. Yes. Interesting. Tell me why you hate it. Uh, this is like a rare feeling for me towards the songs. I think it's the context of it being on a fairly boring record. But this song is so repetitive. I don't like it. It is repetitive. Um, it's an, and to your point too. It is. There are several songs on this record that are Washington Square Serenade songs, mm-hmm. and then there's a handful 
that are just duds. Yes. And then there's a handful that it's like, this could have felt different if it was on another record. Yes. Because in and of itself, well, it's a fine song. And that's what I wrote. I said, maybe yeah. I wouldn't mind this on another record, but this is representative why this record is firmly bottom three. Yeah. Like, this, this record was pushed into bottom three also. Pushed. I didn't think I hated this record. Yeah. Or I didn't think I didn't like this record. It was pushed down because you found others that you liked Because Transcendental and El Corazon grew on me so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I hear And that. now I, I just can't hear those records without being completely enthralled with them now. Yep. Like, I thought El Corazon, and I thought El Cor- I felt the same way about El Corazon that I do about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought I just straight up only liked a couple songs off Transcendental Blues. By the end of that shit, I liked the whole fucking record. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, but I remember that conversation. Yeah, and like, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, Oxycontin um, Blues. I wrote, "This is a powerful song," especially thinking about this coming out in '07, mm-hmm. and how much fucking worse, worse it would get. Yeah, the opioid epidemic got in subsequent years. I also like, um, you know, I'll always nerd out about some of the instrumental choices. He uses a, a, a bazooki, a Greek stringed instrument on this, which is similar to a mandolin, but a little bit different. But it, it, it's got the, I, I like the song and it's got that, um, it's got some of the, the, the despair shit yeah. told through a very intelligent lens that I, that I think Steve does very well. I like the effort considering the subject matter. Um, I think the song's fine. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't. I hope it's not the bazooki that you're speaking of, but I think the song's too busy. Yeah, I, I like this busyness. But maybe it's the mix. No, maybe I think I've come around to disliking the mix on this song. You might feel the same way I do about like the banjo on some other songs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's no epidemic mm-hmm. by inclination. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but it's a good effort. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> all right. All right. I should, okay. I'm, dude, I you know what though? I I've got I'm at a point now and this just tells you so much about like my taste slash our taste. Mm-hmm. I could make a banging playlist of songs from many different genres all just about opioid epidemic. Yeah. It, I would have like this. I'd have some of your stuff. I'd have King of Oklahoma by mm-hmm. Jason Isbell, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can think of several. Um, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll make a Spotify playlist <laughs> called "Be Depressed About yeah. the Like Fuck the Sacklers. Murder the Sacklers really, Family." Really, really fuck yeah. them. <laughs> Have yeah. their names removed from every art gallery in in America. I was at um, I I was at the Guggenheim because it was on a free day when one of the big protests where um, a group came. Up in you know the Guggenheim for those who don't know is the There's art museum that has like swirling mm-hmm. ramps all the way up to the top. I mean architecturally it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and like it is far from the only art institution that the Sackler family and their blood money has like funded a lot of. Yeah. But where a protest group um, went to the top with prescription pads and like rained down like thousands of like prescription pads and i just happened to be there because i was like 
it's a it was like you know it's before I had a kid yeah like winter time and there was something I wanted to see um and remember being both like so stoked that I was there during it and also like a little embarrassed because I was like I didn't even know this was a Sackler gallery <laughs> you know what I mean like you know yeah. like like and I because I well, think frankly they had gotten to a point where they were trying not to let anybody know those right things. Yeah. you know because I had been in the Met before when it'd be like this is the Sackler wing yeah you know what I mean but there it's like I you know there was no like sign or whatever mm-hmm. that said that um, but it was a it was a very powerful like it was an artistic protest did you take one museum. of the pads no should have I should have that'd be awesome that would be an awesome thing to have yeah. And they don't have those anymore, you know? It's all electronic now. Yeah. You know? Retina might have some lying around if you want a prescription pad, but <laughs> it's not going to get you anything anymore. Um, onward. Onward. Red is the color. Favorite song. I guessed it. I wish I would have said it. That's awesome. This might be, like, the first one in, like, several records that yeah. I guess for you. This is my favorite song. I, I love like, this song. Because I was like, this is... This is the dark song. It's bluesy too. It's, this is the bluesy dark song. And the, the mandolin on it—it sounds so cool. The mandolin and the like discordant harmonica. Yes, it's so cool. I knew you would love this. It's so cool. Yeah, and it just—it stands out. It is a very big contrast to almost all the rest of the record. I think the vocal delivery too makes it so interesting. I think yeah. this song could have been boring, mm-hmm. but it's not. No, it's—it's it's very cool. It's very intense. I love the lyrics so much. Yeah, dude. What is it? It's short ride from here to where the beast resides. He also does them in threes. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing things in fours, he does yeah, them in threes, which is really interesting. Resides inside cyanide. That's cool. That's hard. Yeah, that's fucking that's fucking hard. hard. Like I legit just kind of like freaked out because, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like one of the things I love the brightness of the mandolin. Yes. With the darkness of the the distortion. Is it a distorted harmonica? That's what that is? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like guitar. I, fe- I think, I could be wrong, but I thought it was a harmonica purposefully played like redlining a microphone. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was just like a really like pedaled guitar made played to sound like a harmonica. It could be. It could be. Because some of the ways the the it rings out sounds yeah. like a string. No, you're right. I want to go back and listen to it again. We should have got. We should have had him on. We should have had him on. I would have loved to know. We were so close. We were so close. We could still ask for for, for <laughs> anyone who wants to know this reference. By the way, literally less than a week ago, Steve Earle cut some guest vocals. For, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to know any of this, yes. right? Uh, for an album that's coming out soon. In the studio where Perfect World practices. <laughs> what? That's so crazy. And I don't know the owner slash producer very well, but Drew, mm-hmm. uh, our friend Drew does. And so I punished him and was just like, can you text Tom, the studio owner, and be like, ask him how this came about. <laughs> Do you and like, do, and it was basically just like, like he wasn't connected directly to Steve. It was yeah. like, you know, as their studio has gotten built up, they were like, okay, we're doing this. Steve's going to do a track. We need a spot in New York. 
Mm-hmm. Steve, go here on yeah. this day, and you you know in a couple hours you'll do your part. Um, and I just, at a different point in my life, I would have showed up. Yeah. But I I feel a little too much like. Mm. I, I feel like in my too life... Too much like in, Jason Siegel at the, the beginning of Forgetting Sarah Marshall when she says, what are you doing here? And he I says, do. I'm here to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it would be. I'd be like... I'd walk in and go, oh, are you Steve Earle? Oh, hey, man. I, I was just picking up some cables, you know, that I forgot uh-huh. here the last time. But I've, you know... I, I have... We're, we're, we're going to have a sit-down with Steve at some point. That wouldn't have been the way to start it, I don't think. No. That could have gotten a restraining order yeah. or something. Uh-huh. Um, but I did – Drew told Tom, who runs Spaceman Sound, the, the studio and rehearsal space that we use, um, about our podcast. Mm-hmm. And was like, you should mention it to Steve. I don't know if he did. Uh-huh. but Because um, I also was wondering at some point, too, if – do you think Steve would take umbrage at the name since he did Hardcore Troubadour Radio too? The fact that I didn't know that he did Hardcore Troubadour Radio <laughs> when I when I suggested this is the name of the podcast. Yeah, I don't think he'd care. Well, that's because it's satellite radio, which is why we haven't heard it. Yeah, the only time I would ever have heard that is if like, in a I rental was in car. A rental car. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when I'm always like, oh, cool. There's an outlaw uh-huh. country station. Yeah. You know which. Most of the time when I've turned it on has not been playing something I wanted to hear uh-huh. anyway. So, um, yeah. But uh, Red is the Color, hard song. It's so good. It's such a strange song, but I think it's cool. Cool. Yeah. Next, Steve's Hammer. Is this your Pete. favorite song? This is my favorite Dang, song. Dang, that's awesome. I'm a Pete Seegerhead, man. Me too. Yeah, I know you are. You know, and we're, we're both, I mean, it tracks. We love Pete Seeger. We love Woody Guthrie. We mm-hmm. love these old, we love our... Our, our socialist folk singer yes. forefathers and I think I think this is just a it's a great tribute to Pete mm-hmm. and um, I just love like God it, and I love that like just the message too of like I can't lay the hammer down yet yeah. um, and the line I love I love so many lines in this song but when the air don't choke you and the ocean's clean and kids don't die for gasoline, one of these days I'm going to lay this hammer down. Um, that's, that's so cool. That is, it's, it's my, um, that's my idealized Steve Earle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I oh, can't yeah. help but love it. Yeah. yeah so no, I mean, favorite. this is, uh, w- one thing I did say right about the song is I like a lot about this song and would certainly like it more. Or, or I would certainly like it even more. On a more concise record. Fair. Absolutely fair. Like, um, this is one of those songs that could have been on many of Steve's records. Yeah, probably my favorite lyrics on this record, but anyone who knows me could have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's, 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 it's very cool. It's very good, and it's it's awesome. Him him telling that story about giving uh, Woody hit, or Woody, giving Pete his lifetime membership to the musicians union like yeah. uh card or whatever uh when it right we saw him on the loan tour so cool that is so cool man so cool i love that 
And he, and he said, does this mean I don't have to pay dues anymore? <laughs> what a shit. That's Dude, awesome. <laughs> great line. That's so cool. We, uh, we, so we watched uh, You Need to Watch It. We watched Generation Kill. I need to watch it. You know, coming from the, the David Simon talk we've, we've done. Um, uh-huh. And speaking of, speaking of Pete Seeger, I, uh, I recently did like a full dive on like almost all of his records that are on streaming, um, or at least the ones that aren't children's songs. Um, yeah, <laughs> fair. <laughs> I don't care to listen to those. I heard them all enough when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, after watching Gem- Generation Kill and dealing with, you know, something that speaking on The Wire and how it so accurately represented work in an inner city school and then speaking on things like kids and generation kill. I feel like really accurately shows the bureaucracy of being in a military unit Mm -hmm. and how much that endangers the lives of the soldiers who have to actually go out and like get in the way of bullets. Mm. And me and Ashton watched it and I'm going through this huge Pete Seeger kick and a song I'd never heard was knee deep in the big muddy. Mm. And I played it for because I was like, you got to understand, like he wrote this before Vietnam was really even a thing, mm-hmm. just about the military in general. And then it applied so well to what was going on in Vietnam. And it still applies today based on us watching something about the Iraq war and invasion. And it's just, I don't know, I, I really, Pete Seeger rock, dude. He, that's so awesome. In that concert, he also, in 1979, said things about Palestine that people are saying right now. Spot. Fucking on. And somebody told him he was being problematic in the question and answer section of the live set. <laughs> and he said, if I can remember what I said, and then he said it just again. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a good reminder of it. Like, you're written, you, you've, there are many times, if, if you get that reaction when you as a as an artist say something on stage um you're in good company Mm -hmm. if you know it's 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 worth remembering if yeah if if people with bad intentions try to come at you for for speaking truth um you're you're not the first and you won't be the last yeah you're in good company yeah you're hit if you're hitting a nerve yeah then you're doing something right yeah absolutely yeah i uh um, we got a couple more. Yeah, a couple and more. If anything, I'm Tyler's had to watch me like anxiously glance a couple of times at, at how the, late it is. Com- no, it's not oh. how late it is. It's more of like worried that my computer is going to run out of memory. Oh no. Um, I think we're fine. Okay. But I think I also didn't realize, you know, because I'm a tech genius, I'm like, oh, two separate tracks takes up twice the space. Oh yeah, that'll um, happen. That'll happen. Okay. Um, we're fine. Um, I just wanted to double check. Next song is Days Aren't Long Enough, which features Allison Moore, mm-hmm. his wife at the time. Here's my take. It's fine. It's a, it's a cute love song. When I listen to it now, I listen to it through the lens less anything about the song itself, but more like I'm realizing, especially now as a person who's approaching my 10th anniversary of marriage, mm-hmm. I'm getting really like sad and sentimental about beautiful love songs written by couples that end up splitting up. Yeah. 
like that, that's it's it's it gives me if we were vampires vibes. Yeah. Now knowing that Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires are splitting up. Um, I didn't know that. Just announced. That's so sad. It's really sad. Um, I hope they're both okay. Um, but I yeah, hope so too. They are. They. Who knows how long it's been in the making, but they like publicly announced that they're splitting. That's so sad. Um, that, that did you watch that documentary? Yes. Intense. And it it's clear that they've had challenges. Intense. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's her her reactions to things. I don't think are great, but I don't think her um, lack of patience in certain situations with him is unwarranted. No. Especially considering she's one of the people responsible for helping him get sober in the first place. Mm -hmm. So none of this over the past 10 plus years would have happened without her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope they can, you know, it's like, it's weird to like have these feelings about people that I don't know personally, but like for the sake of their kid and Mm -hmm. anything else, I hope they can stay in a good relationship and Mm -hmm. all that similar to what Stephen Allen. I mean, I've, I've still never seen, Jason Isbell, but I've seen Amanda Shires twice, and mm. I'm 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 more well, I'm, I'm more personally connected to her. Than well, and it's <laughs> amazing. It's it's me too. Wondering like, hmm, will she ever like play with him again? Because she didn't do every tour, mm-hmm. but her her violin live it's went, powerful. It's powerful, and yeah. I I've seen Jason Isbell in the 400 unit with her playing, and without still great without, but much better with her. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was, yeah. And it's also weird to just be in a place where it's like, wow, Jason Isbell is enough of a celebrity that this shit was in like people magazine. That's crazy. You know? And I hadn't realized too. I mean, I had, I'd known, you know, he's obviously doing very well as a musician. He's just sold out radio city music hall. A not small That's place. That's a big deal. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, like it's the popularity in like gen pop is mm-hmm. building it's there from yeah. from when you know on the southeastern tour he was playing club dates mm-hmm. i mean they still weren't small shows but they were like 250 people yeah you know standing rooms versus a full seated theater kind of stuff um probably the thing that he's made the most money off of though was a star a is star born. is born you know not gonna lie dude those songs are awesome they're great yeah I listened to that record, like that soundtrack, for like several weeks after seeing. You know the movie. what? I ne- I didn't listen to the soundtrack, but I saw the movie, and maybe I should give it a listen more the, closely. Like the, all of her songs aren't amazing, mm-hmm. but pretty much all of Bradley Cooper's songs rock. Yeah, <laughs> and he's good. He's he's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. Um. You know, who's it now? He's playing Leonard Bernstein now, yeah. too. Like, he, Bradley Cooper rocks. I like it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, like, I, I, and I do think some people have, you know, through various means who might not have had enough of an ear to the ground to hear Jason Isbell because it's not, like, on the radio, mm-hmm. but loved A Star is Born, loved Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm enough to listen to the soundtrack and think who is this dude that wrote all these songs yeah and have you get it yeah have you heard the i i I only know this because the nate who tattoos me who showed me steve roll further than what i'd already heard yeah um he saw jason isbell i think 
think it was him and the 400 unit play uh, an amphitheater in Louisville. And he told this story. I don't know if you've seen it and it's sad now because they're breaking up, but Allison would have Jason write her letters as Jackson Bradley Cooper's Whoa. character. Oh, you mean Amanda would have him? Do that? Amanda, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I say? You said Allison. Allison. Oh, yeah. It was, We're yeah. mixing up. It's late. Yeah, it is late. Um, um, but how would have Amanda would have him write her letters as him. Wow. I didn't in know In character, because Jason Isbell is actually the character. Right. Because he wrote the music. That's right. And she loved the song so much, she was like, can you write me like letters as if you were Jackson? I think that's so That's funny. really sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. Pretty funny. And fu- sweet and funny. Um, um, anything else on Days Aren't Long Enough? So, uh, funny enough, I wrote, this song is fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's another song on a record that if included on a different one, I would think, oh, this is the boring song that is fine. <laughs> yep. I mm-hmm. hear you. Um, and then we're on to what we could have talked about last time <coughs> my god tacked on as fuck tacked on down in the hole i wrote a great tom waits song a terrible cover yeah it sounds so apparently a product of a different session yes it was like uh, uh, we're gonna do this for the wire may what, as well you want to stick it on here yeah um and it the i wrote the i told you this earlier and i because it's from my notes to me this is the worst of all the synth parts Mm -hmm. on the entire record yeah this because this one the backing track sounds like what comes pre-programmed on a kid's casio keyboard (laughs) when you just like hit the thing it's like it's like like I can't I I can't even believe that like the dude from the Dust Brothers allowed this because it's like you know something about electronic music and how that should sound and you still let this happen this is terrible I'd be curious what Tom Waits thinks of it frankly because the other thing is some of the covers you know that started the other seasons of The Wire were pretty interesting Uh I I think Tom Waits original is my favorite yeah um, cause it's a, like, it's a, it's hard to cover a weird song. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean like it's hard to cover Tom Waits. Yeah. Period. That's he's, the thing. Covering weird songs. Covering Tom Waits is not like covering fucking, you know, Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's already so many weird choices. Yeah. Um, both vocally and just the, dun 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 like who's putting stuff like that mm-hmm. in there. And so it was going to be a challenge anyway. And like this most certainly ain't it yeah no i i thought uh this could have easily been an on an also ran or this could have easily been an also ran song on a collections record which is kind of what this record feels like in 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 many ways yes yeah yeah so well it being in new york though yeah, felt a little different about it. I kind of uh, liked it all about the record. Yes, <laughs> about the I, record, I kind of liked it all. This song itself is still. But getting granular about things, yeah. I had harsher feelings before being in New York. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's more misses than hits for I think. sure. Um, but you know, it it also it represents a new 
a new chapter in Steve's life, um, becoming a you know mostly full-time New York City resident, and um, being happy for once. Being happy for once. And the good news is he since has you know gotten his feet underneath him here a little more and made some dope stuff. Oh yeah. Um, in the in the years since. Oh yeah. I mean, this is a a stark contrast to. I think I'm trying to remember. I think we're past. No, we have one more top five record for me okay. left. We have one more top five record for me left. And the other bottom two, or the other of my bottom three are to come to. Got it. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the top. And, and they're not as low as this one. I was like, we will endure the other bottoms. They're not as low um, as this one. <coughs> but hell, I mean... Washington Square and New York City, man. It's pretty. Nothing. Steve Earle in New York, who would have ever thought such a good match? Um, if not on this record, at least in life. Yeah. Um, but fuck the Yankees. And, um, <laughs> dude, we this won't be the last time we do this in person, but mm-hmm. it might be for a while. Yep. Um, and this has been a blast. And thank you all for hanging out with us and – um, that's really all I have to say. Uh-huh. Appreciate you. And, 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 and to mention to, uh, to any of our, our longtime listeners, I did do uh, an episode of the Axe to Grind podcast this week. So if you want to go hear me talk about Louisville and punk and hardcore and stuff, or if you're a person who listened to me on Axe to Grind and talk about this podcast – you could listen to every episode of this podcast because there's kind of a narrative here. <laughs> Absolutely. You, I mean, you, you could start from the beginning. You could just say, I know this Steve Earle record and pick up. Um, but we appreciate you coming on over. Yeah. And thanks for being here and hanging out with us. And take care of each other. Peace. <laughs>